0: Hello, and welcome to Data Driven. In this episode, Frank and Andy speak with researcher Matteo Interlandi about Project Hummingbird. Now on with the
1: show. Hello, and welcome to Data Driven, the podcast where we explore the emerging fields of data science, machine learning, and artificial intelligence. If you like to think of data as the new oil, then you can consider us Car Talk, because we focus on where the rubber meets the virtual road. And with me on this epic road trip on the Information Superhighway, as always, Andy Leonard. How you doing, Andy?
2: I'm well, Frank. How are you?
1: I'm doing all right. We're recording this on uh, Wednesday, September 1st, uh, 2021, and the um, the uh, <laughs> the remnants of Hurricane Ida are ripping through the D.C. area um so if uh if i suddenly get dropped that's because we probably lost power but i do have the backup generator um the one that the professionals installed and my uh duct tape together uh solar generator so (laughs) (laughs) i will be offline uh for a short bit and hopefully come back online um how are you doing andy
2: i'm doing all right frank well we are you know i'm about Gosh, 250 miles south of you, um, we didn't get near the, you know, near the effects of Hurricane Ida as you did. Uh, we're getting a little bit of rain now. We've had some wind gusts, but it's been really mild. And if you look on the radar, kind of watching the track, and I, I do, I'm a weather weenie, an amateur, but uh, it, it just kind of went around us to the, to the west, and it actually started east when it got a little north of us and aimed right for your house. I was looking at. I was good. That's where Frank lived, right? And look, the eye is coming right for
1: Frank. What's left? Well, Sorry. fortunately, we're safe. There was some kind of uh, flooding in Rockville, and yeah. um, the small overnight, and uh, some folks they got up. No one, no died that I'm aware of. So it's it's just, you know, we're not accustomed to floods or hurricanes or tornadoes up here in DC, right. um, and um, we're we're more used to the human threats of. You know little things like terrorism and things like that. But <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, you guys got a little bit more to worry about that than we do here in Farmville, right, um, But you know, these days, who knows? the uh, definitely our thoughts and prayers are with the folks in uh, in Louisiana and Mississippi. They were hit very hard. I've, I've got got friends in Georgia, uh, Western Georgia were telling me that um, they they took a beating as well, and you know, it just it looks horrible. i I you know, I've, I've been in a few of those places after hurricanes have hit um, as part of like church efforts to help clean up and stabilize and stuff like that. It looks like, I don't know, they people describe it as a, like a war. I've never been in a war. So I don't know. I've seen pictures. And right. it's some, there's a lot it looks like a lot of stuff is blown over and that sort of stuff. It's just so and they're talking weeks and weeks before power comes back on.
1: That's horrible. Um, so that's, places. Yeah. yeah, that's that's probably gonna be do more damage um, for a lot of things.
2: Well, you but are on a more right, positive,
1: yeah. note, on a positive um,
2: note,
1: on a positive note, on a positive note, we are. I am super excited to have a special guest, and I say super excited because he's from Microsoft. He's a senior scientist in GSL at Microsoft, working on scalable machine learning systems. Before he was at Microsoft, he was a postdoc scholar at the uh, computer science department at uh, UCLA, and um, this uh, he was doing a lot of interesting stuff uh, there. He was doing research at uh, Qatar or Qatar, I'm not sure how to say that uh, exactly, <laughs> uh, but uh, he has a Ph.D. in computer science in the University of uh, Modena, and or I'm going to botch this, Reg- Reggio Emilia. Uh, welcome to the show, Matteo thanks thank you awesome so we are really excited to have you here we actually booked you uh a whole month in advance i've been looking forward to this um, because you're coming by way of uh some of the folks at the mlads conference and for those who don't know i may i've mentioned this mlad stands for machine learning and data science summit uh it used to be in person i think now it's entirely virtual for the foreseeable future uh, but that well, I, I attended MLADS in 2016, summer of 2016, and it was um, it was life altering. Like I don't say that um, light lightly. So um, Microsoft does amazing work in the machine learning and data science space. Um, very much cutting edge stuff. Very much um, I wouldn't say under the radar, but Microsoft does not do a great job tooting its own horn. So we're very excited for you to come on, Matteo. And talk about this little project that you're working on, and what is the? Is it have a code name or what?
0: What what is it called? Hummingbird. So the code name is actually Hummingbird, Yeah. Interesting. We don't have any specific internal names for this. For this. Project. Okay.
1: Um, what does GSL stand for? That was my that was my first question when I saw your bio. Uh,
0: it's for Gray System Lab, and is after Jim Gray. Oh okay. Turing Award. Yeah. Uh,
1: okay, so it's a um, search
0: lab after this name, yeah? And this oh, within the Azure Data Organization.
1: Interesting. And um, so, what, what, what cool stuff does Hummingbird do?
0: So Hummingbird um, is a little bit a weird project in the sense that when we started this project, we didn't know if it was going to to be a success or not because what we Try to do basically is to um, translate uh, traditional machine learning models and into neural networks. Actually, not into neural networks, but into tensor programs, such that then we can run over tensor runtimes such as PyTorch and TensorFlow. Um, so when we started this project, actually the idea was, hey, there is a lot of investment in general uh, pulling into this um, neural network frameworks, and Coming from the Azure data organization, instead, we are more interested in these traditional machine learning uh, methods, such as decision trees, linear models, one-hot encoding, all those boring uh, (laughs) traditional uh, algorithms. And and so we look at this neural network system and say, hey, how we can take advantage of all this technology that is built into this domain? Uh, so you can run neural network over CPU, you can run neural network over the GPU. Then you can use like fancy compilers to compile, uh, to co generate the tensor programs. All those sort of uh, techniques, and we were kind of struggling to see what we could do with uh, with this stack. And and what we come up with would is this uh, Aminbird project. So uh, we basically take. Uh, um, Traditional machine learning uh, pipelines composed by featureizer and the machine learning models. Uh, after they trained. so first you need to train it using Secular, MeldenNet, or um, um, one of those traditional machine learning um, uh, platforms. And then once it is trained, we basically convert it into a set of uh, tensor operations. Um, in the current version, we use basically PyTorch for doing this uh, conversion. And then basically you have a PyTorch model, so you can do whatever you can do with PyTorch models. So you can deploy it in, in it into uh, uh, PyTorch uh, um, deployments, you can run over CPU, or you can run over the GPU, or you can do the Torch script if you want to get rid of all the Python dependencies and just have a C++ program, you can do all those uh, tricks.
1: Interesting. Does it impact uh, accuracy, precision? Does it improve uh, it, keep it the same?
0: We try to keep it the same. So we are able to keep it the same up to floating point numbers uh, roundings. So since we use, um, you know, we use PyTorch to run these programs and not like a scikit on or a meldonnet, uh, there are some differences on how they do, um, uh, you know, floating point operations. So the accuracy is up to roundings in the floating points, uh, which sometimes are actually, it, it can be quite a bit, but most of the time is uh, really small, almost not uh, noticeable
1: interesting interesting um do you would you know if there was like a discrepancy or you that's just part of testing
0: it's part of testing right all so software is uh, tested
1: have... right andy sometimes intentionally is that the, that's uh... right <laughs> andy has a saying where all softwares I, I i forget exactly what it is but what is it andy
2: yeah all software is tested some intentionally
1: There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, what's what's the real? What what are the advantages of 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 converting kind of a traditional model over to um, a tensor model? Is it is it portability? Is it speed? You did mention that you can run it on. You could take advantage of um, GPU as well as CPU.
0: Yes, exactly. So you most mostly is related to um, speed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can basically run your Scikit-learn model on GPU, end to end, and this usually provides you know a little bit of uh, quite a bit of speed up. Uh, we for some of our example we even saw like a two or the or module speed ups for some of the models, and um, and usually we try to show that if you use GPU you can be much faster, but on CPU we try to be kind of as close as possible Scikit-learn or the base or the base or the base model. Sometimes we can, sometimes we are a little bit slower. Uh, okay. But we we had some really interesting result. Like for instance, we did some experiment with um, some folks at the TVM and we took some XGBoost XG model and we compiled some training XGBoost model uh, using Aminbird and TVM into some, uh, um, we basically do code generation and we show that the, that model that goes compiled through PyTorch and TVM was even faster than they the current C++ implementation that they have in XGBoost, both on My CPU goodness. and GPU. Yeah, there was kind of, okay, what's going on? This is not... This Wait, was did not you expensive.
1: say it was faster than a C++ implementation?
0: Yes. I mean, wow. XGBoost underneath is C++. Even scikit-learn, you know, they use right. like um, a C++ library and, yeah. Okay. Using TVM for doing the code generation, they are able to do like a Operator fusion, which you don't normally have for like these traditional models. So, with all these tricks bigger, basically, that are coming from the neural network frameworks, we were able to get like this, uh, uh these surprising uh, numbers.
1: Interesting. So, that's a real performance boost. And probably if you scale that up into the cloud, that probably means a lot of money saving too in terms of on cloud compute and things like that. I imagine a company like the size of Microsoft would be very interested (laughs) in getting better results faster with less cloud compute. Um, You did mention an acronym. I just want to make sure folks know what that is. TVM. What is that?
0: Uh, I don't know what it is exactly for. Uh, Some tensor. Andy looks like he knows,
1: but he's on mute.
2: I don't. Yeah, I I don't know.
1: Okay, I'm just I'm going to look it up. There you go. TVM
2: acronym.
1: I think it is for
0: Tensor Virtual Machine, but I'm not sure. It,
1: it, this is a project Sounds that, about right. Tector, uh, yeah, Tensor Vector Machine. Uh,
0: I see. Right.
2: So thanks very much, comes up. That's
1: interesting. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, we'll figure out what it is and put in put the show. Tensor notes. in so, here.
0: That TVM, you said? Yeah. Yes. Is a project. Is a GitHub project. I think it also is Apache project. And is, uh, yeah, they're gbl.apache.org.
2: GBL. Boh- yeah. And it doesn't tell me what it stands for, but that's, that's where you can go and learn more about it. It's, um, according to the website, an end-to-end machine learning compiler framework for CPUs, GPUs, and accelerators. Interesting. It does sound interesting, yeah.
1: That's what's great about this space. There's so much you could geek out on and spend like, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like I'm just looking through. I found some uh, a web an article on um, uh, machinelearningknowledge.ai about Hummingbird, and it's just like wow. They basically it looks like they copied and pasted the FAQ <laughs> from the official <laughs> documentation. Um, but it does look fascinating in terms of um, of what it can do. So so what what motivated um, um, what motivated the creation of Hummingbird? Uh,
0: so the motivation was actually different. So the so the, the initial motivation was actually try to to do um, uh, not to accelerate actually uh, the traditional machinery pipelines, but to use uh, differentiation, um, basically all this uh, uh, back uh, back propagation, all these tools that are using for training over neural networks. And try to translate them over traditional machine learning models. So try to do basically backpropagation over the cyclic neural pipelines, and that is the base tool. So we started with that base tool that we basically was translating these traditional machine learning pipelines, uh, these cyclic neural pipelines at the beginning, uh, into PyTorch, such that we can do end-to-end differentiation. But then once we, have, we were at that point, uh, and of course, as you can imagine, we were trying to do end-to-end differentiation for increasing increasing accuracy. of the the pipeline to see whether if you use that propagation, you can increase accuracy. And then once we did this translation, we basically realized that, okay since we are on PyTorch world, we can exploit all these other, uh, you know, the PyTorch framework and hardware acceleration, all those other toolings. And then basically we kind of uh, ditched this idea of doing end-to-end differentiation, uh, end-to-end propagation over over the the pipelines. And instead, we focus more into building a system for accelerating uh, inference uh, prediction over of these traditional machine learning methods.
2: So I'm curious, uh, Matteo. This is not my forte. Frank's the data scientist of our, of our pair here. I am a data engineer. Um, so, can you give me an example of a problem that um, I, I get the speed part of this? I really do. I, I, we need that in data engineering too. I think everyone needs needs that performance part. But can you give me an example of something that you've applied this to? And you already gave us a you know a, a interesting number about how much faster it was. A couple of good references on that. Was there something in particular that you've worked on, or that your team has worked on and applied this and saw some you know some interesting
0: results? So, Abby, first of all, I'm a database person too. I'm not a machine ah. learning. person not that I, <laughs> Okay. So I think we speak the same language. Okay. <laughs> I'm a data. I'm a database person that uh, is. I'm trying to basically understand all the machine learning domain and see how much databasing can take advantage of uh, these techniques. Right. And my initial, uh, I mean, the, the start of my investigation was traditional method because those are the ones that you in general use over uh, tabular data. Uh, that is the one that we care uh, care the most. Um, and so related to use cases. Uh, let me think so we. Um, so we try to use it internally for some of our first-party customer, um, to just because they have like a cyclical models and they want to kind of try to see if they can speed up the the, the inference of this uh, the, the prediction over these models. Um, we had someone reaching out from uh, outside, uh, mostly with uh, kind of try to accelerate like a tree tree-based algorithms such as. Um, Creating boosting uh, like GBM, XGBoost, boost those uh, those algorithms, and um, yeah, in general, the use cases are really simple. Is you know you have a secular models and you want to deploy it, your 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 models, uh, and when you deploy, it, you want to take advantage of GPU either because you already have some GPU deployment, so you already have some neural network uh, there and uh, you also want to take advantage of the GPU that you are in your deployment by, uh, with this um, uh, traditional models,
2: gotcha.
0: or just because you have like a, a traditional model, you want to, to increase the, the, the inference time. I have to say that the most of the performance boost we usually see is related to batch inference, so not when you're doing one single one single point inference. But when you have like a batch of records that we can basically saturate the performance of a GPU, of a GPU hardware, for instance.
2: So just to follow up on that, then um, it sounds like a, a lot of what you're doing is, you know, you're focused on the on the tool that does these translations for you into other platforms, other technologies, allows you to use, you know, GPU versus CPU, and I think what you're creating, if I understand you. Um, and I didn't do my homework. Apologies. I think what you're building is a way to, to, to exactly what we were joking about earlier about testing. You want to see how can I get the peak performance for you know this part of of that maybe this module or this operation of the batch, uh, and maybe the answer here and you mentioned this maybe the answer here is CPUs or GPUs maybe it's C plus plus, and you're just able to. You know kind of pick the high spots and say i'm getting or in the case of performance the low spots right it's the stuff that runs the fastest and then you can put that together and hand it back to your client or someone who's interested in it and say right now given the volume and the data and their state of hardware you can get the maximum performance if you do this part here and that part there that part there is that fair
0: so you're you're actually looking into the, some future work that we are investigating now. So kind oh, okay. of is matching the different oper- the different part of the pipeline. So what we okay. focus actually right now is try to uh, translate uh, the machine learning models end to end. So taking the featureizations and all the models end to end, because basically we saw that that is the the where we can get most of the time that is where we can get the maximum the mass per, uh, maximum performance. Because okay. by looking at the model end to end, we can run it completely over the GPU instead of having to go back and forth from GPU to CPU, uh, for example. Uh, But what you point out is something that we are considering. So kind of look at the model, not as a kind of, you know, a a unique uh, um, uh, black box kind of... uh, uh, artifact but it's something that you can actually split in different parts and eventually you can run it in over different over different hardware over different uh, um runtime such such TVM as i said before so some part you can run on tvm some parts you can run on pytorch the the those yeah. sort of the sort of things okay so,
1: so it's so kind of like a meta optimizer
0: like that's exactly yes.
2: where i was going yeah it's like you're tuned in stored procs Mateo.
0: <laughs> and
2: you're <laughs> deciding I want this one to run on SQL Server. I want that one to go to Postgres. And yeah. It just that that is interesting that you can span hardware and software. You can pick platforms in the software and do it. And I, I'm with you. I got my head around this now. <clears throat> and I, I think that's really, really cool. I the this just sounds like something that's going to accelerate uh the field really, because if you the last time you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs, waiting for a result, you know, the more you can get done. I mean, that's just common sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I love what you guys are doing. That's that's really cool. And I like that. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about, you know, changing libraries and changing, you know, hardware platforms, even I mean it's it's hard to even say I don't know what you'd even classify that as because running different chips you know running the processes on different chipsets that's something we used to do back in the 70s you know I mean <laughs> I but it say, was that
1: harkens back to like the mainframe days
2: It kind of does I mean the 6800s and the z 80s and all of that and, but I mean this is way 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 more advanced than all that but I like the idea um, I like being able to, to do that. And I hear what you're saying right now. You're just after picking a platform, picking a, an approach and saying, you know, we're going to run this. We're going to generate C++. It's going to run on CPUs. And that's overall, that's going to be your fastest result. And it's going to give you your best performance. I, I get you. But that I, I didn't realize I jumped ahead there. But that happens. Sometimes rare, but it happens. <laughs> so, <laughs> Y'all can totally take that idea, mateo and run with yeah, it. Yeah, if you uh,
0: <laughs> you can run write the paper together if you want to. <laughs> there you go. You can write a white paper. Yeah, I could. I could do the punctuation.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's really good at reviewing stuff. I will say that, personal experience from him, him reviewing my articles in the now defunct MSDN magazine.
2: Yeah, I remember that. Those were fun. I learned a lot reviewing your articles, Frank, because you were always on the cutting edge.
1: I tried.
2: Yeah, neat stuff. But this this Hummingbird
1: stuff looks really cool. Um, It It looks like it's as easy to install as pip install Hummingbird. Um, uh, Hummingbird Hummingbird-ml, I think it is.
0: Yes. Yeah, the Hummingbird name was already taken, of course.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. But no, this is really cool. Like I, 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 I like where this is going. I like the potential for it because with the cloud, you know, you, you think about database as a service. Like you don't, you know, you don't care what the hardware. I mean, you care, but I mean, like from the end developer's point of view, they won't necessarily care what type of hardware. Like this does open up some very interesting possibilities. Just, just kind of piggybacking on kind of what Andy said It's like, wow. I mean, one of the things, um, and I forget who said it. Uh, might have been Kevin Hazard who said that you know now we live in an age where we're not dealing with just spinning platters. We can imagine what database uh, I'm butchering what he said, but he he did say he says a lot of profound things, and one of the most profound things he said was something like, you know, what what would a database in the future look like because we're not dealing with spinning platters. Is that did I get that right, Andy? It was something along those you did. He
2: he blogged about it. Out- DevJourney.com. We'll uh, have to look that up for the show yeah. notes. But Kevin is one of those. Um, he's a pretty, pretty profound thinker. And
1: I was going to say, I, yeah, he's I could a very tell, deep thinker. Like he's always like ten moves ahead.
2: Yeah, and I could tell reading the article because I've known him for and so of you. We've known him for a decade or more. He was struggling with trying to articulate the concept, and hmm. if it's tripping someone like Kevin Hazard up. It's a pretty powerful concept, right? Right. And, uh, he did a good job in DevJourney.com. He's not blogging as much because he's just too stinking busy. But um, yeah, you're right. It, and, and I had a similar conversation um with um you know with with my son Stevie Ray, um, not too long ago, and we were talking about um you know flash drives. And, you know, that the memory that we have now that's so much faster than the Platters. And I, I made this comment to him and I kind of stopped and thought, I don't know if that's accurate or not. And maybe, Mateo, since you're here working on a cutting edge, you can help us. We were just poking around, thinking about operating systems. And we do a lot, are here at the house, in Farmville, Virginia, with IoT. In fact, he's building a new collection of sensors for me right now for an Arduino. We're going to hook it to a Pi because Pis can talk to you know, to the internet. They can talk to our router. And that's the next big secret. Don't tell anybody. Mm. (laughs) Kidding. But it's the one of the neat things about these Pi architectures versus even really powerful servers that we have right now is both, you can compare them. They're both messaging systems. They're, They're just passing around messages physically on a bus when you get to that Pi level. And that's how I learned it. So I'm really excited about him learning it that way but nobody thought about because we didn't we couldn't conceive of it when hard drives came out nobody thought about building the OS or something second uh, you know second generation or higher language on that without those spinning disks and here's the here's my long-winded place I wanted to get to is I don't know if we're there now even i imagine there's probably some OSs out there that are sitting on GitHub, there's probably a hundred of them by now that people are exactly doing that. They're taking advantage of the new IO, if you will. But I don't think the big systems are doing it. I don't think the major popular operating systems are. And for good reason, they're stable. It's it's hard well, to change There's a of lot of
1: inertia when you when you have a widely deployed operating system, you you get a lot of inertia. And, and you oh, know, yeah, I'm not yeah. and I'm not talking about just Windows. I mean, iOS, I mean, Android, sure. I mean, Linux. Sure. Like once you have a wide install base, you you lose the ability to be very experimental.
2: <laughs> yeah, I totally concur with that.
1: And I see
2: I see the cloud. I see Azure. I see the you know, the, this leap that's happened and it's just it's crazy to try. I I don't even keep up with it. But just reading tidbits, reading, editing Frank's articles and the like, it's just taking these quantum leaps. It's like 10 years worth of stuff happening every six months or something. And you guys just keep knocking it out. And I imagine at, um, you know, at the gray uh, systems lab that you're surrounded by people who are just you know, in Star Trek land or something. <laughs> <You know?
0: laughs> I mean. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I totally agree on all, all, all the things that you said. Like uh, I was presenting uh, a project related to hummingbird actually kind of like a few days ago and I was preparing my slides <clears throat> and, I, and I come up with this slide. I think it was from Jeff Dean a few years back and it basically <clears throat> was showing the number of papers that were published on uh, machine learning on the public on archive. And in, to, in 2018, they were published 100 paper a day,
1: just on machine goodness. learning
0: on archive. <laughs> just to just to give an idea on how fast is now the pace in which innovation is is coming up, especially in the machine learning or another domain, is just crazy. On on operating system database domain is a little bit slower, I would say, because, as Frank said, that there is an answer there because these systems are deployed, and if you want to add even new hardware. It will takes it takes forever. So I say Microsoft, what happens when you have like a new hardware coming in, and you want to exploit it? It just takes forever. Um, and this is just because you know they're used by many people, and even yeah. if you want to do a small change, it's really hard.
2: And I'm seeing the articles about Windows 11, where when you try to make a change like that and say, "Hey, you need this minimum hardware now," everybody's going, "What?"
1: <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Everybody's got the pitchforks out and like freaking out and like yeah. I mean, I I remember I was at uh, I was at Microsoft doing evangelism on the shift to Windows 8, which <laughs> just you would not believe this. Well, maybe you would. I don't know. But like just the the horror in people's faces when they got rid of the Start button. Like it was just like it was like the end of the world. Like you were you were killing somebody's grandma. Like it was just like. I it was just like i mean i disagree with the decision that was made but but let's let's put it in perspective here you know <laughs> but you uh but yeah i mean hmm? you can
2: still start things
1: right you can still start things like and and, and before this is funny like this is this is just a complete sidetrack and, and Matteo, we do this a lot no, um, just,
2: it never happens Matteo. just before, before keyboards <laughs> had the, the windows key
1: There's a, you could hit control escape and it pulls up the same thing. Like, like, I don't know. Like, it's just not the end of the world anyway. Sorry. flashback to 2012, but, uh, so, uh, Mateo, we have a bunch of kind of pre-canned questions we're going to ask you. Uh, we asked this from all of our guests, most of them or about half of them are kind of fill in the blanks. But the first one is how did you find your way into data? Did you find data or did data find you?
0: Uh, I will say data yeah. find me. Uh, I think it was mostly because when uh, I started my PhD, I wanted to do distributed systems. And for some reason, I ended up doing distributed system in a lab, in a database lab. So I think that is why I think data found me uh, because I was I wanted to do something else, but then I ended up uh, doing data. And that probably was, <laughs> uh, I was really lucky, to be honest.
2: Cool. Very cool. So our second question is, what's the favorite part, your favorite part of your current
0: job? Uh, I don't know. This is a hard question. Uh, I will say that I really uh, love my management in the sense that they allow me, us, in GSL to be uh, sort of independent in the sense that, uh, you know, we are researcher and, Sure. Uh, they allow us. They they find a way to kind of uh, strike a balance between having us be independent and kind of do our own research with crazy ideas like the one that I presented with Hummingbird and still be kind of you know with our foot on the ground and uh, and kind of help a product improve uh, improve uh, improve the system etc. So. I think that is mostly what I love. So I, on one eye, I can kind of look in what we can do next, like uh, having the operators running over different hardware. And on the, with the other eye, I can kind of see what are the real problems that are coming from, from, from product and how we can solve them. And, and I love this, to be honest, I love this.
1: Nice. Awesome. Our first complete the sentence, when I'm not working, I enjoy blank.
0: I would say work, but they will not sound
1: well.
0: <laughs> sound <bad. laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe family at this point, maybe family. Spending a lot of time in family you know, with the COVID time. We're often at home and uh, I have a two-year-old that is driving us nuts.
1: Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> no,
2: That's pretty cool. Yeah, so. My so youngest
1: have... did Zoom. A kindergarten over Zoom, and it's just as chaotic as it sounds. Let's put it that way. Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, I cannot imagine. I mean, to be honest, now he's in daycare, and we're really happy that now he's in daycare because, I'm, you know, at that age. But I guess that every kid needs to have interaction with, uh, yeah, with other kids, and just stay at home is not is not uh, is not uh, healthy. But I can't imagine how hard it is to, to have like one year at home and, and having classes, truths and courses. Yeah. I hope I that this it, will
2: answer. go ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, said I hope that this all this situation will end soon. Me too. Even yeah, if it doesn't but, like to. But,
2: uh. Yeah, same here. I think we all do. The uh, I think it's going to be one of those things where we look back for decades probably and see these little things that we're really not noticing right now. We're just coping and managing and going on that you know we're gonna look back and go wow you know that changed this and that and there's all these things that come from it i i hope mostly good but i think it takes us time to figure out the good so i i I look forward to that time when we are reflecting and reminiscing on stuff like this um i i want to but we have to be on the other side though yes our uh Our second of three complete sentences is I think the coolest thing in technology today is blank.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I mean, as a researcher, usually I'm attracted by things that I don't know. Uh, So we'll say something like quantum computing because I don't know anything about quantum computing. Yeah,
1: I don't know. So, uh, go to (laughs) impactquantum.com.
0: I'm smiling (laughs)
2: because I was waiting for Frank.
1: I actually, it's funny because in the, um, I went to the last MLADS that was held in person. It was fall 2019. And the second day keynote was a hardware keynote. And, you know, I go to a data science conference. I want to learn data science. Like, I I was kind of mad that they had a hardware person up. and. But then she started talking about quantum and it was just blew my mind. And ever since then, I, I, I've really wanted to, I really, I was just, just so overly excited about like quantum computing. But the thing about quantum computing is, you know, that night at the hotel, like, you know, I installed the Q SDK and stuff like that. And then, then I was like, okay, now what? Because it made no <laughs> flipping sense.
0: <laughs>
1: so I've been kind of on this, you know, intermittently this journey of kind of learning more about quantum computing. So starting the podcast on, you know, impact quantum, and then starting kind of like the blog, have kind of forced me to keep at least a regular cadence of figuring out what's going on there. So it's it, it's fascinating. I will say the one thing I've learned is the importance of linear algebra. Apparently, mm-hmm. linear algebra and the way the algorithms work in quantum uh, systems um tend to explain each other very well so um but yeah so definitely uh quant- impactquantum.com is a blog i've i've started last week and um regularly updating it put it that way but that's you know ending the shameless plug but i agree with you i think quantum computing would be a very cool thing to explore for a number of reasons um the next and final I'll complete the sentence Is I look forward to the day when I can use technology to blank.
0: I can use technology and I cannot have to drive the car. That is like self-driving cars is something that I live in Los Angeles, so for me, self-driving cars can be kind of a complete life changer. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) I totally agree. I I um I used to enjoy driving. Like I used to I grew up. I grew, I didn't have a license till I was like twenty-one, so like it was just like for me, I'd done my time on mass transit. I'll put it that way, yeah. but like living in DC, everywhere is just bumper to bumper. To do probably a lot like LA, and it just really yeah. takes the joy out of it. And you know, um, one of the things my last job at Microsoft, that was at the MTC, and the only thing I didn't want to take that job was because I had to drive to um, Virginia every day. Which, despite it being nine miles of the crow flies, could take <laughs> could take yeah. ninety minutes to two hours. Um, but as I don't want to say as luck would have it, because it certainly wasn't lucky. The pandemic kind of made it so work remotely and um, never had to do it. But you know, I, I I share your dream, Mateo, of the of the driverless of the of the you know self driving car, so you can you can yeah. read, you can you know be on the computer, you can do work while you're driving and things like that. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you.
0: And I totally agree with uh, what you said. I mean, I'm from, from I'm from Italy, and I'm from Modena, which is um, where basically we say we like uh, fast car and good food. So we have mm-hmm. like Ferrari, we have uh, Ducati, we have
1: <laughs> nice. uh,
0: Maserati. They're all built over there. So I was growing up with like hearing the Ferrari when they tried in the in the in the, in the circuit that they have in the Fiorano. Uh, I live like. F- I think three or four miles from Fiorano. It's still like a year when they turn the engine on. How loud mm-hmm. was that? So I really like uh, cars, but yeah, I can I cannot stand like sitting, you know, idling the traffic, <laughs> buying with other cars, just for like, for instance, for going to work or to, for going grocery shops, and It's just kind of a waste of time.
1: Especially yeah, Ferrari. You know. Ferrari's meant to go run free. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> that
0: thing
2: in Texas.
1: That's right. My my neighbor, a couple of my neighbors have, um, uh, one of my neighbors has a Ferrari um, and you can hear it go by. It sounds beautiful to hear it go by. So I totally relate. Somebody down the street owns a uh, Jaguar uh, V12 and when that thing goes by, it's like angels singing. I, I know it's a British car, not an Italian car, and that's probably heresy. But I will say it, it is sounds, sounds impressive. Um, so, so it sounds like you might also be a car guy. Or at least used yeah, to be. Sure to. Yeah. yeah,
2: used to be. Very cool. So our next one is share something different about yourself, but a little caution. Uh, it's, uh, it's a family friendly podcast. We want to keep that yeah. iTunes clean rating here. So don't make us at it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what am about to share. Uh, really, I'm kind of spending all my time either. I work with or with family. So I probably have the boring life uh, ever. Uh, the only thing that I, I think it is. Could I mean I don't know if it's good. The fact that now we are working from home, I have kind of more time to focus on other different things. Like for instance, I can watch stocks. Like before, I couldn't watch stocks and while I was uh, at work uh, because I can have my laptop and when I have a meeting, I can just uh, take take a peek. And of course, I can have my stock there uh, while 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 I'm uh, while I'm working. Uh, Nice. uh, And yeah, and I think I kind of yeah, kind of like. uh, uh, kind of looking at the stock market, especially because now is a little bit, there is a little bit of fraud around. So all this mem stock, et cetera, is, uh, make it exciting, but also a little bit dangerous. So
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's become like a sport, if you will.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was trying this, uh, the um, uh, Robin app. When they say gamification of stock market, I don't know if you ever tried that. is it's crazy. It looks like gambling at all. Right. It really looks like gambling. Yeah.
1: And the final question, uh, do you listen to audiobooks? And if so, do you have any recommendations?
0: Uh, no, I don't listen to audiobooks. I think I'm more kind of on the old style, I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, I prefer usually to read uh rather than uh, listen uh to be honest i don't know why uh, i don't know why uh, i think
1: it, i think it depends on the person like i think it depends on kind of what you're comfortable with i mean my audiobook listening is nowhere near where it was when i would drive everywhere all the time um yes. so <laughs> um yeah so the reason why we ask is because audible is a sponsor of the show and if you go to the data driven book.com you can uh, sign up for free Audible uh, membership. And if you sign up, then they give us a a little pat on the back and probably enough money to buy a Starbucks and help support the show. <laughs> and uh, they've actually been one of our number one sponsors so far because of this program. So, yep. um, so you mentioned you had a website. Uh, where can folks find out more about you?
0: Is my website. I think it is, uh, I don't remember. Uh, oh, Interesat is a GitHub website, interesat.github.io.
1: All right, we'll make sure it goes on the show notes uh, so folks can find out more about this. And um, definitely go, uh, go to your favorite command line prompt and type in pip install hummingbird-ml to check out what's going on um i'm definitely going to experiment with this because it does look fascinating and and like andy said the potential for this is fascinating um because this could end up in this could end up in a lot of different places because it solves a lot of different problems so anything else mateo
0: yeah if you try it let us know and we are kind of you know looking for contributors and feedback so if you try it let us know what do you think and how we can improve
1: awesome Thanks, and I'll let the nice British lady end the show.
0: Thanks for listening to Data Driven. We know you're busy and we appreciate you listening to our podcast. But we have a favor to ask. Please rate and review our podcast on iTunes, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you subscribe to us. You have subscribed to us, haven't you? Having high ratings and reviews helps us improve the quality of our show and rank us more favorably with the search algorithms. That means more people listen to us, spreading the joy. And, can't the world use a little more joy these days? Now, go do your part to make the world just a little better and be sure to rate and review the show.